good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. Trust you're all doing well. Have you, uh, this is not really the message tonight, but you have, have you been you keeping up with the crazy people in the world? I saw this and I thought I'd just have to read it. This is on a website called Conservative Zone. It's also on another website. Um, uh, I can't remember what the other website. I thought I wrote it on here, but I didn't. Anyway, <clears throat> y'all who know Jeff Bozo. Bozo. Yeah, he is a Bozo. Bezos is. Well, at the global depopulation... Uh, Amazon Jeff Bezos predicts only a limited number of people will get to remain on the earth. This article goes on. It says, quote, Jeff has Jeff Bezos, <laughs> Bezos has lost his marbles, or he's just that evil. In a rare moment, Bezos allowed his friendly, wonky mask to slip and allowed the world a glimpse of what lies beneath. What we're really seeing is yet another example of how the elite billionaires, technocrats, and oligarchs plan to exterminate those they deem peasants, which is pretty much everyone. During a speech at the Ignatius Forum in Washington, D.C., which was on, uh, I think, November the 10th of this year, uh, Ignatius Forum in Washington, D.C., Bezos said that only a select few people will be allowed to remain on Earth as millions of people will be thrown up into cylindrical space stations where they will work and take over industrial production. Bezos has been recently joining his other fellow rich guys, Richard Branson and Elon Musk, in space exploration and has been launching rockets up into space, with his last launch taking Captain Kirk or William Shatner out in the galaxy far, far away. Bezos dreams that Amazon workers being in space and says the Earth will end up a protected place, like a national park of sorts. Of course, he didn't elaborate as to who would or wouldn't get to stay on the ground, but according to his own comments, it's easy to assume it won't be the poorest. They'll be his new factory workers stuck on space stations. Bezos optimistically laid out his vision for Earth and its populace while, of course, plugging his own company. Millions of, quote, his voice went, quote, millions of people were moved from Earth to space over time, and that's the vision of Blue Origin, millions of people working in space, unquote. He said, referring to his own firm. That's his blue origin is his firm. Over the centuries, most or many of the people were, we, will be born, and this is again quotation of his, a quote, over centuries, most or many of the people will be born in space. It will be their first home. They will be born on these colonies. They will live on these colonies. They may visit Earth the way you would visit Yellowstone National Park, unquote. Bezos predicted, or does he already know? Anyway, a question that should have been asked was, if there are only millions of people going to be slung out into orbit to live their lives of servitude, what happens to the other billions of people if Earth is expected to be relatively empty? It's a no-brainer at this point that the billionaires of the world hate us all. Normal, hard-working slubs like aren't welcome in the globalist elite's shiny new utopia that they have all envisioned for themselves, unless, of course, it's to clean their homes and serve them in some way, but then they'll have robots for that if they don't already have them. It's a sad reality that people who are in the best positions to do to truly do something meaningful for the human race and the planet are the most selfish and definitely the most hypocritical. They fly around the world in private jets as much as they like, 
have homes as big as they like, use as many resources as they like, all the while warning of the dangers of overconsumption of said resources while simultaneously encouraging vast amounts of consumerism, something their businesses and fortunes are built on. It's beyond frustrating that adults are expected to accept dictatorship from, let's face it, a bunch of people who look like they could have at one stage been cast off uh, revenge of nerds. Uh, but that's the thing. We're living in real life, revenge of nerds, and they're coming to either enslave us or just outright kill us. Now, these are crazy times we're in. <laughs> that's the end of the article. Um, you know, when I read this, as ludicrous as this sounds, I laughed. Because, you know, when I was, when I was clear back when I was in Bible Institute, okay, New Age was kind of a, kind of a new thing. In the, I think in the 60s and 70s, New Age really made its heyday. And I tried to find it this afternoon, but I couldn't find it. But somewhere in my uh, cult notes from when I was in Bible Institute, which would have been 89 to 92, I think, 91, 92. No, uh, yeah. No, I graduated in 90, I think. So anyway, there's three years there in that, in that period. I remember... Um, there was a quotation that the teacher read from some New Age writer that talking about us religious right. You know, we, we are the problem. In case you didn't know, we are the problem in this world. You know, even Bill Clinton said that, uh, the, you know, the Clintonites and all them claimed that Bill Clinton was a victim. You know, the, the, the uh, what they call that scandal of his. Anyway, Bill Clinton was a victim of the religious right. So we're, we're, we're the problem. Anyway, this, this writer said that this religious right that won't accept these New Age philosophies and the, the one world and all this stuff, they're going to send to another dimension where they'll be happier. Now, yep, we sure are going to another place. It just isn't another dimension. It's another world, but it's heaven. Thank you very much. Um, and they're going to be left with this incursed world. And what they don't realize is the judgment that's coming. You know, Psalm 2 says, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. Anyway, uh, that's your um, news for the night. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Psalm 100, Psalm 100, Psalm 100. You know, with all the craziness going on in the world, you know, we still have a lot to be thankful for. You know, we, we, uh, we have hope. Uh, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. You know, I don't think the world's, I really don't think the world's going get, to get better. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think our country's going to get better. Um, you know, I think, I think if, they, if things start looking like, you know, the conservatives are going to take over, I think there's going to be another pandemic created. I really do. I'm already talking about it. But anyway, <clears throat> so I don't want to be discouraged. But what are we to do? Well, we're to continue living like we always did till the Lord comes. That's what we're continuing to do. And we're to be thankful... For the goodness of God. So I want to look at Psalm 100 tonight. You know, I wasn't planning on preaching next Tuesday, so, so I thought I'd bring this tonight. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. You know, we are to enter into His presence with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You again for Your love, Your mercies. Thank You for Your Word. We have a more sure word of prophecy. 
that we can take heed, do well to take heed unto. And it's a light that shines in a dark day, and Lord, our, the day is getting seems to be getting darker and darker. But we pray to help us to let our light shine before men; they may see our good works and glorify our, our fathers in heaven. But we thank you, Father, for the light of your word that gives us understanding and direction and wisdom and hope and confidence and assurance that you are coming for us and the day of the Lord is drawing nigh. And so, Father, help us to take comfort in those truths and to rejoice in your goodness to us. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Thanksgiving, of course, is a, is a, uh, is as American as apple pie. It is the American holiday. Uh, dates back to the Pilgrims, 1621, and probably as biblical as any holiday of the year that we, we, we uh, celebrate and probably probably the most overlooked. Uh, you know, you, you, you go to the stores and they go from Halloween decorations to Christmas decorations. Used to be there was some Thanksgiving decorations, but not, not anymore. It's just it goes from straight from Halloween to Christmas decorations. Um, however, for God's people, Thanksgiving should not be limited to a certain day of the year. You know, the word Thanksgiving means the act of giving thanks, the grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors. And certainly, we have much to be thankful for. Uh, many verses in the psalm talks about being thankful. Psalm 26, 7, that I may publish with a voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Psalm 50, verse 14, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song, will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 95, 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Uh, Psalm 107, 22, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. You know, sometimes it's a sacrifice to be thankful. You know, there's, there's times that, you know, you think about the, 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 the early church or the first, the first church there in Jerusalem uh, in Acts chapter 2. They, they had gladness and singleness of heart. But that was a time of persecution. That was a time of duress. That was a time of stress, of afflictions. A uh, time of loss for some of them who, who joined the church and, and left Judaism. So it meant for some, the, from, for some loss. So sometimes it's a sacrifice, but it says, Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm 147, 7. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. James Fawcett Brown says of Psalm 100, This psalm is a general call on all the earth to render exalted praise to God, the creator, the preserver, and benefactor of men. And so I want to look at several things tonight as we think about this, look at this passage and consider the thought of thanksgiving, the condition of our thanksgiving, or the manner in which we ought to offer. Verses 1 and 2 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Uh, the word joyful there means a triumphant shout, a joyful noise, a, a, a triumphant shout. Uh, kind of reminds me of Joshua chapter 6 when, when uh, the Lord told them on the, on the sixth day as they marched around the city at six times, on the seventh time they were to they just shout a great shout and blow with the trumpets and the walls will fall down flat. And so they did. 
they gave a, it was a victory shout. You know, and we, we, have, we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and we ought to have, have the shout of victory. Because uh, in, in, uh, uh, we have the Lord. Uh, you know, in, uh, so, so 100, Psalm 126 verses 1 and 2. Psalm 126 verses 1 and 2. It says, when the Lord turned again the captive of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was a mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for, them, for us, whereof we are glad. So, so this was, a, again, a song or shout of victory. And we ought to have a, a victor shout. We ought not to be, uh, 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 you know, continually distraught and discouraged because we do have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'm not saying that you're going to always have, you know, every minute of your life there's going to be joy in your heart. But even in those times of distress and discouragement, you can have a song in your heart. And, uh, and it's, it's the, you know, we have the Spirit of God. Uh, you know, so there's, you know, we, we talk about, uh, being a fan, you know, a fan is an enthusiastic devotee. You know, some of you watch football. My wife likes to watch football. And, uh, you know, I was downstairs in the office one evening some years ago trying to study. And every once in a while I'd hear this, yes! Woo! I think if I remember correctly, they're watching the the uh, college championship and and Clemson was in the championship game, you know. So, you know, thanks to Pastor Webb, most of my family now votes for Clemson. But anyway, um, I guess there's worse things. But anyhow, uh, you know, that's enthusiasm. That's the idea of this shout. Uh, there ought to be joyful service. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. With gladness. <coughs> Joy. We ought to have the idea, I get. I get to serve the Lord. Not I have to. It shouldn't be a burden to us. You know, if serving the Lord becomes a burden to you, you're soon going to not serve or you're going to change your manner of service. Deuteronomy 28, 47 says, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. And he was talking about the curses that would come upon him. And, and the reason these curses would come upon him is because they, they would... They would begin to look at the Lord's service as a burden. As a burden. And this is a result of not giving the Lord a preeminence due unto His name. You know, even in Malachi, they brought, they brought second-rate sacrifices, lame, blind sacrifices. In other words, they looked at God as a burden. But they would not offer, you know, and, and Malachi says to them, look, why don't you offer to governor? Would he be pleased with you? And, of course, the obvious answer was no. But they thought God ought to accept it. thought God ought to accept it. So, no, it shouldn't become a burden. Second uh, Chronicles 30, verse 23 says, And the whole assembly took counsel to keep the other seven days, and they kept the other seven days with gladness. And this was uh, the Passover, I believe, that, that uh, Josiah... Uh, held in Jerusalem and the, and the feast, and so they so they extended it seven more days, and they and they did it with gladness. He said, you know, it hadn't been done in a long time. Acts two and forty six, 
first church of Jerusalem there, it says, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And as I said a little earlier, this was a time of persecution, a time of distress, a time of, 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 of duress. They were under duress from, the, from, from the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin during this time. And so, you know, that wasn't an easy time for them. And, uh, and this was prophesied that this was what would, the Lord would bring with His coming. Uh, in Luke 1.14, that says, says, Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at His birth. And this, is, of course, is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're to come before Him, enter His gates with thanksgiving, into His joy uh, uh, courts with praise. And, and so we're to, to serve the Lord with gladness. So that's the... the uh, Uh, condition of our thanksgiving, the comprehension of our thanksgiving, verse 3, he says, Know ye the Lord, he is God. Is he that made us not we ourselves? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so, we ought to be thankful for things that we know. You know, you ought to be thankful you know the Lord. I mean... You, you ever stop and ask yourself this question? Why was I born here? Why was I born in America, where a free society, where the gospel is freely preached, uh, where we have freedom to assemble? There's many parts of the world you could have been born in that don't have that privilege. Uh, you know, that the Lord is God. And, and, and people, there are people who also, who know about the Lord, but don't have proper understanding of Him. It says, know ye that the Lord, He is God. Now, I believe what we're talking about here is the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. You know, this, David, or not David, Jesus asked the Pharisees to answer him the question, you know, if, if the psalmist said, the Lord said unto my Lord, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou in my right hand until I make thine enemy as thy footstool. How can he be then be his Lord and also be his son? How can he be the, the Lord and the son of David? And you know, they were so adamant that they weren't going to receive him as the Son of God that they wouldn't answer the question. In other words, they willfully chose not to believe that he was the Son of David and the Son of God. They were familiar with the Scripture. But they wouldn't answer it. Because either their answer would show them they were ignorant of the Scriptures... Or they'd have to come to the conclusion that he was who he said he was. There's a lot of people tonight that believe in the Lord. Believe there's a God. Believe that Jesus lived. But they don't know him as their Lord and Savior. Just because a person believes in God doesn't mean they're saved. So... You know, we ought to rejoice or be thankful that we know that the Lord is God. The Lord is God. 
Isaiah 43, 12, I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. That therefore you are my witness, saith the Lord, that I am God. Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, there is none else. And so, you know, we ought to be thankful that we know that the Lord is God. That he is our Lord. That he is our Lord. That we have made him Ours, our Lord and Savior. But not only that, our Lord is the Creator that we know. Of course, this comes again with understanding who the Lord is, that He is our Creator. Verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. It is He that hath made us. You know, God formed us out of the dust of the ground and breathed in the this man his nostrils into the man's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. You know, Job said in Job ten, verse eight, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. There's an interesting verse in Psalm 139, verse 16, which says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written. Did you ever think about maybe that God knows your DNA? Think about what that says there. Thine eyes did see my substance when you were being formed in the womb. Yet being unperfect in all thy book, in thy book, all my members were written. So every part of me, every detailed part of me, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. He said it to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. So, you know, it's a privilege to know that we were created and fashioned by God. You know what that means? We have a purpose. If God made us, we have a purpose. You know, I, you know, Daniel likes to make some things. And I, you know, my wife says he gets that honestly. You know, he likes to repair things too. You know, things got to, you know, he, he likes to talk about, you know, making guns work better and all that and, and my wife told me today, yeah, you know where he gets that, too. You know, I, I don't like to throw things away. I like to fix them. But, you know, I like to make things. But I don't want to make anything that I have no purpose for. You know, I, I don't know that I've ever made anything. I may have. I probably have. I just don't remember it. Made something and ended up taking it to the dump. Just because I didn't have any purpose in making it. Now, you'd say that would really be dumb. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? God made us. God created us. He created us for a purpose. We're to bring glory and honor in Him, be a witness and testimony for Him. And He made us to have fellowship with. That's what He did with Adam and Eve. He came in the garden in the cool of the day and, and walked and talked and fellowship with Adam and Eve until sin entered the garden. That was what John wrote about in 1 John. He said that, I want you to know him that ye also may have fellowship with us and with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God made us to have fellowship. 
with Him. So, we have the privilege of knowing we were created in fashion, prepared by God. We have a purpose, and He prepares us and helps us understand uh, what that purpose is through His Word. And, you know, another, somebody said, quote, knowledge is the mother of all devotion. The more you understand about God and He has made you, that He has made you, it will cause you your devo- or build your devotion for Him. So, we're thankful that we know the Lord is good, the Lord is our Creator, that He, again, He is our Lord, we are His, we are His children. Uh, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Galatians 3.26, We are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we are His children through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the subjects of His care, the sheep of His pasture, verse 4 says, Enter into His gates, with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. You know, we are the sheep of his pasture, verse 3 tells us. So, so you know, as you think about a shepherd and his sheep, you know, the shepherd provides, provides and protects his sheep. In John chapter 10, in the message on the good shepherd, John 10, verses Verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, the porter is the doorkeeper, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." And in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming, uh, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and have known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Uh, you know, one, I, I like the... Uh, you know, Martin Luther's hymn, uh, thinking about that today, and, you know, the, the conditions of our world today and the silly stuff I was reading to you about. But to them, this isn't silly stuff. This is serious stuff to them. But anyway, it says in, in verse 3, And though this world with devils filled. You know, we're living in perilous times, and there are more and more of these people that just, they're reprobate. They can't even think right. They got vain imaginations. The, so this world with devils filled, threatened to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. The Prince of Darkness, grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fail Him. Uh, you know, because we have a we have a a shepherd who will provide and protect. For his sheep. You know, think about even examples of this in the Bible. The Lord delivered Enoch before the flood. He delivered just Lot out of Sodom before he destroyed it. But you know, I never really thought about it this way before. But do you ever think about it? He delivered Abraham too through his obedience. 
by his obedience, Abraham delivered himself from the destruction of Sodom. You see, if he'd have been, if he'd have done like Lot and pitched his tent towards Sodom, he lost all he had to. But through his obedience to the Lord, under the direction of the Lord, he saved himself. Uh, the Lord saved him because he obeyed the Lord. You know, how many times does the Lord protect us simply because we obey him? We don't think about it that way often, very often. But, you know, just our obedience. You know, as I was saying Sunday night, you know, God gives us thou shalt not in the Bible, what, for our protection. And that was a thou shalt not to Abraham. Don't go to Sodom. And because he didn't go to Sodom, he wasn't taken captive by the armies that defeated Sodom, nor was his goods destroyed when God destroyed Sodom. So, you know, again, the Lord will lead us. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, we can be stubborn, we can be rebellious, and we can go in paths that are not pleasing the Lord, and then there'll be some calamity, but the Lord can deliver us, then knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation as well. But, so, we can rejoice in the Lord is our, we, 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 Lord is our Lord. And then thirdly, considering the recipient, the recipient of our thanksgiving, notice verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. We ought to be thankful because our Lord is good. He is good. 2 Chronicles 5.13 says, It came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sign to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Uh, Psalm 25, 8 says, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. You know, God teaches us the good way. God taught Abraham how to keep himself from being destroyed with Sodom. Over and over and over again, the Bible talks about how the Lord is good. Psalm, 50, uh, Psalm 54, 6. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Psalm 84, 11. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You see, God is good. You know, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, young ruler in Mark ten eighteen, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. You know, the reality is, God is not only good to his children. He's even good to his enemies. Matthew 5, 43 to 48 says, He maketh the sun to rise on the just and the unjust alike. He gives rain on the just and the unjust alike. And the whole passage there is talking about loving. Don't be, like the, don't be like the heathen. They love them that love them. And hate those that hate them. No, be like your Father in heaven, for he loves the, he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He sends the sun on the just and the unjust alike. In other words, he loves everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God is good to everyone. 
You know, these people that, that like Bezos and these other people that, that, that you know, are opposing God, it's not that God doesn't love them. It's that they rejected his love. Secondly, there's no end or limit to his mercy. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. Uh, it's infinite, his mercy is infinite in scope and everlasting in duration. You know, mercy is in kindness, not giving us what we deserve. You know, he's not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so is great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Psalm 1 and 3 tells us. Second Chronicles 7.3 says, When all the children of Israel saw the fire, how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You know, the sad thing is, you know, I've known people that have rejected the Lord who had been given notice that they were dying. You know, nobody has to be given notice that they're dying. And I thought to myself, look at the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Opportunity to repent. But no, continue on in their rebellion. You know, God could just consume us. Like Lamentations 3.23 says, It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The only reason God doesn't destroy this world is because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's a merciful God and gracious God. And then lastly, he's immutable. He says his truth endure to all generations. Uh, God does not change. God's laws, or standards, or holiness, his expectations, what pleases him, does not change with circumstances, feelings, or favor. He can't change. He can't change that he's good. He'll always be good. But he's also just and righteous. You know, there's security and confidence in this fact. If you are a sincere seeker of the truth and willing to obey it, you will always end up agreeing with God. Because he is truth. He doesn't ever change. You know, for, for, for how many years men thought the world was flat? Columbus tried to convince them that it was round. And everybody thought he was a fool. Well, if they just read the Bible, I think it's Isaiah 41 that talks about the circle of the earth. You know? Uh... Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. And speaking about his word, Psalm 12, 6 and 7, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, 
purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God's word's not going to change. Men are trying to change it. But we will always have the preserved word of God. Because God promised. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 92.1 says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Psalm 147.1, Praise you, the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. In other words, it's fitting. To be thankful. We ought to enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Bill Winstead, I don't know if this is original with him, but I never heard it till I heard it from him said, an attitude of gratitude is a beatitude of great magnitude. I was visiting him in a nursing home. He's in a nursing home. And he, he, he came off with that thing. I said, now, well, give me a minute here till I get a pencil and paper out. I'm going to write this down. You know, an attitude of gratitude is a beatitude of great magnitude. Oh, we ought to be thankful. Even the prophet Habakkuk. You know, Habakkuk lived in a time when Israel was under dominion of foreign nations uh, and the northern kingdom uh, was being uh, defeated by the Syrians and they were wicked people. And, and so, but he, he ends his prophecy with this statement, Habakkuk 3.17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. That sounds like a famine. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet, like, like a deer. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. See, we ought to rejoice. No matter what's going on in the world around us, we ought to rejoice in the Lord. Be thankful in him. Enter into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise.